Welcome to Writer Someday to Author Today, where we give you the story beginning to end. And today we have Megan Barnhart. But Megan doesn't write fiction stories. You write something else, do you not, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. I write nonfiction about writing, about how to find your writing process, how to outline in a way that you know feels really inspiring to you, how to get through your draft more quickly, and how to find your own true story. So I write for people who are writing novels and also for people who want to write a true story about something that's happened in their life. So I love authors, I coach authors, um, and I I love storytelling and connecting the dots, but I'm all about that that nonfiction when it comes to my own books. So how did you get from A to B? What made you decide to write about this? And, you know, what did you do before that? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a, I'll give you the not too long answer. Um, I've been a writing coach for over 13 years. And in my business coaching writers, I've um, changed a lot um, or I've, I've developed the different audiences that I've worked with over the years. I started out working with students and the great thing about that was I developed a lot of step-by-step outlines, uh, checklists for making sure they were including everything in their writing. So my start as a writing coach was really helping um, make writing easier, right? Because students don't necessarily love to write. So I was bringing in fun and I was also bringing in systems and uh, processes that made it feel a lot easier for them, a lot more inviting for them to start writing. And in 2015, two things happened. One, I transitioned from working mostly with students to working mostly with business owners. And two, I published my first book. Now, the reason I published that first book, Recipe for Storytelling, and that's the one about writing your true story, was I had this insight in me that was really just desperate. It was bursting to come out. And that insight was based on having begun to work with business owners and they were in this place where they had a message they wanted to share and they wanted to talk about their story so they could really connect with the customers they wanted to serve. And the same questions would come up again and again, but where do I start my story and what makes a good story? So it was working with those coaching clients that I started going, oh gosh, I'm getting these questions People really want this information. They need to know it. And it's in my brain. I can get it out. So I got it out and put it in a book. And um, that's really how all of my books have come about. It's by working with a particular audience, seeing their questions, and then using um, my best practices, my writing coaching tools and tips and tricks and secrets to help them get clarity. You know, when I see people uh, frustrated or lost in a process, uh, when they're writing, that's when I come alive and go, oh, wait, you, you don't have to get stuck there. Here's a simpler way. Um, so th- the second two books that I wrote, Recipe for Outlining and Recipe for Drafting, were because in 2017, I began working with authors. So I was still working with business owners, helping them get their messaging. And I really fell into working with indie authors uh, because I loved helping people with that story shaping part of things. And when you're working on writing a book, any kind of book, there are a lot of moving pieces, right? You're thinking about how am I going to get this published and what's going to um, really speak to my audience. And you're also kind of sitting with the day-to-day writing 
um, how am I going to get excited about outlining and how will I know what to write in my story? So I was working with those indie authors. And again, I went, oh, wait, I've got a process. I can help you. I've got some steps for that. And I really just created the books that I saw would help the people that I was working with. And actually, um, both of those books started out as courses, um, or not courses, but as um, coaching resources that I was using with coaching clients. And I would basically create a worksheet here and there as people needed it. So I'd be on a coaching call and somebody would say, gosh, I'm really stuck here. I go, oh, okay, I'll create a resource for that. So I was creating based on what real people, uh, real authors needed. And then it just made so much sense to say, I'll put it all together in a book, get, give people downloadable resources, and then I don't have to be there. I mean, I love working with authors and I coach them one-on-one, but this way I can help more people and I don't have to be there in the room. They can get my best processes for making their book happen, even if we never meet in person. So I've got this old notebook from high school that I wrote the story in, but, you know, I don't have the, the time or the money to, to put into publishing it. You know, if I just had my notebook and, and some internet access, is it possible to do that? Is it possible to do what? To turn it into a book? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, any, anything's possible. It's really about what, um, where do you want to put in your time? So are you asking from the point of view of, can something as simple as a, a story in a notebook find its way to becoming a book? Yeah, exactly. Let's say yeah. that I get it into a computer and um, I, I want to publish it. You know, is it, is it possible to do it on a low scale like that to where you don't have to go through these big publishers? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's never been, it's never been easier or more accessible to to publish your book. So there, um, I'll, I'll speak to the publishing part first, and then kind of come back to what would that look like, or or where would you begin um, from a writing coaching point of view. But the barrier to entry used to be that you had to convince the big the big dudes in the big publishing houses that your story was worthwhile in order to get it in front of people and self-publishing and Amazon specifically, although there are other places you can, um, you can, you self-publish a book. Those just changed it. You know, they really leveled the playing field. And now if you've got a story that you believe in or a nonfiction book, if you've got a message that you believe in, you can absolutely get it out there. Um, and it's free to use these platforms. You know, the cost might come in where you go, well, I really want to make sure that things are um, as good as I can make them. And I'm going to hire an editor and I really want to get my cover to grab people's attention. I'm going to hire a cover designer. Um, there are certainly ways that you can get a, a better outcome by investing money in the process. But the actual act of just publishing your story is simple. It's it's free and anybody, as you say, anybody with a computer can, can do it, computer and an internet connection, um, which I find very exciting because it means that we're getting to hear more voices. We're hearing stories that we might not have heard previously. Um, book publishing uh, is in many ways like uh, big movie houses. And you notice that we're getting the same things again and again and again. So in movies, they're like, how can we make a, you know, another one of these superhero movies? Like what's a franchise that we know sells because then they know they're making their investment back. 
and they're not necessarily buying the screenplay from the young up-and-coming writer who has something new and really uh, powerful to say, right? So book publishing is is similar to that. I think it's not to the extent that the, the movie production scene is yet, but it's really hard for new authors who aren't proven to get the attention of a big publishing house, right? So the big publishing houses are like, well, what's the next Harry Potter? Completely forgetting that when, you know, Harry Potter came on the scene, it was brand new and, you know, somebody had to take a risk on that. So self-publishing really gives the power back to people who are willing to spend the time and effort to write, um, to write a great book and put it out there. Um, and generally what that looks like you know, you, you asked if I've got this notebook. So from, you know, from a writing coach perspective, I'd say you, you dump it into your, your computer, right? You type it all up and you can look, um, look at it from, you can look at it backwards to kind of outline it and make sure this is a story that makes sense. It's coherent. It's got all the things that a story needs to have. And then also do um, a look at, who it's for, you know, who the, who the market is, who the audience is for your story, and really get clear about who you want this book to delight, and then make any tweaks you need to make to make it see, uh, speak to that audience. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But, you know, I know there's all kinds of costs associated with it when you're trying to do it yourself. What's, you know, is there any way to cut down on that, you know, with the editors and the cover and things like that? Well, ultimately, it's what you decide to put into it, right? And I definitely um, know authors who go, I, I can't afford to hire an editor right now. And I have a friend who is an English major, and that's the route I'm going. You know, we all have to start somewhere. And so really, the question is, what can I invest in my book? And whether it's time or money or combination of the two, what can I invest in my book so that it is the best book I can uh, put out there and is really the book that will make me happy. And what I mean by that is I know um, some writers whose goal is, let's say, to preserve their family stories. They really want to write down the stories that are important in their family. And if the only people who ended up with copies of the book are their kids and grandkids, they would be thrilled right? And so for that, are you going to hire a, a, um, a professional editor and a professional cover designer? Probably not, right? Because your goal is you just want the physical book to be able to be passed on. If you want to write a book that reaches a lot of people, touches a lot of people, um, sells a lot of copies, you know, that's a different that's a different animal. So there's no have to, you know, there's, there's no, you must do it this way. Um, it's really putting the self in self-publishing, right? You get to choose your own adventure, but you need to have a, a realistic outlook. And I think there's a lot of disappointment from people who self-publish books when they haven't thought clearly about what their goal is. And so, or, or, or I guess they haven't thought about how they're achieving their goal. So if I have the goal, you know, if I've got this great um, nonfiction book I want to write, and I think it's going to help a lot of people, and then I'm not willing to invest in an editor to make sure that um, my, my organization is really spot on, and my thoughts are clear, and my voice is consistent, and um, all the way down to, you know, that's kind of like the developmental edit, edit stage, all the way down to line editing and proofreading, if I'm not willing to get that level of professional support, I have to come to terms with the fact that some people will um, 
go, this is really kind of rambling or wandering or it doesn't make sense or halfway through it changed what it was doing or the voice in the first half doesn't match the voice in the second half or there's a typo on every page and it's just too hard to read. So there's no have to, but it's really important for writers to have a realistic view of what their goal is and what they're um, willing to do to bring about that goal. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But one question I got, you know, when you're going through all that and you're, you're trying to get the right message across for your story to, to address the audience properly, is it yeah. a good idea to, to let friends and family read it and give you feedback? Ooh, <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, so I'll say this. Uh, I'm answering first as a writing coach, and then I'll tell you my uh, my experience as a, a writer and an author. Um, as a writing coach, I really encourage people to be very clear on why they're asking somebody else to read what they've written. And uh, I actually teach people how to get good feedback because there is an art to it. Sometimes when we're writing, we're really excited and we just want somebody to say, oh my gosh, you're working on your book. That's fabulous. And if that's what you're looking for, I would recommend don't share the actual writing with somebody, but share the idea. You know, that's where you can share with family and friends and say, hey, guess what? You know, I've started working on that book you keep hearing me talk about. I'm this many number of words in and I'm really excited and, you know, I could use your help and support. Wonderful. I love it. Definitely find people who will support you. And by the way, if your friends and family have like lukewarm response or worse, they go, why are you writing a book? That's okay. There are plenty of online communities where you can find those people who will support you and cheer you on. And writing a book takes a lot of effort and energy. So definitely find those people who are just excited and say, awesome. We can't wait to hear how it's going with your book. When it comes to actually sharing the writing, I really recommend not doing that unless you have A, a writing coach, or B, a trusted critique group or critique partner. Those are people who are committed to giving you feedback that helps you move forward. So an example of that would be you're working on a passage, uh, let's say you're working on a passage in a story, and you're really clear in your mind that you want a certain character trait to be appearing in your main character. You're like, oh, I want to make it clear that um, he's really um, he's really scared, he's not confident, whatever it is. So that's a great time to share with a writing coach or your critique partner or critique group and say, hey, can you can you tell me just from this passage, what's your um, what's your take on this character? How do you think he's feeling or what do you think's going on for him? Right? And you don't lead people, <laughs> you don't plant the idea, you just ask what's what's your take on it and then they give you feedback and say oh he seems super confident and you can go oh man all right then i need to re rework something here but it's only useful to get feedback on your writing if you are ready to do something with it so if you've written a passage and you love it and you think it's perfect and you ask for feedback and people say, oh no, this, this is a real stinker or whatever it is. Hopefully they don't say that, but they say, this is confusing. I didn't get it. I didn't know why your character did that. Uh, you got to be prepared for that. And if you're not kind of mentally and emotionally at the place where you're ready to hear feedback, definitely don't ask for it. Um, so that's my take on it as a writing coach. And again, I, I walk people through the stages, right? And, and I encourage them don't get feedback until you're, um, you know, you're like ready, ready emotionally and mentally. And also 
you are ready to rework that passage because you don't want to get feedback on something if you aren't in a place where you want to go back to it. You want to keep writing ahead. And I'll tell you my experience as a writer, getting feedback is one of the hardest, most humbling, most frightening parts of the process. And it took me a very long time to be able to do it. It took me huge amounts of bravery to hire the first editor I hired for my book because that was my baby. It was what was in my heart. It was what I really wanted to say. And I'm so grateful that I was brave enough to get feedback because my book greatly improved. And of course, when you're working with a professional, you're getting a really high level of feedback. And a professional editor or a writing coach is somebody who knows how to give you feedback that is honest, um, but also really helpful. You know, that person is never going to say something that just shuts you down or makes you feel like you can't uh, do anything with your writing. So as a writer, I know how challenging it is. And I know sometimes it can feel safer to get the feedback from somebody we care about. But the challenge is that your friends, your family, those people who feel safe might not have the perspective. They might not have the knowledge about storytelling or the knowledge about your audience that will enable them to give you feedback that's really helpful. And of course, that's what you want. Now, there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with just getting that um, that celebration, if you need people, and we all do, if, you, if you're just looking for people to say, hey, that's so fabulous that you're writing, by all means, seek them out. But those are not necessarily the right people to share your, your writing with. Look to the people who really know how to give you effective feedback. Okay, well, I, I love that. And, you know, I don't think, you know, if I was writing a story right now, I wouldn't be ready. But I'm looking at it and it, it just feels like it doesn't have enough. I need to fill it out some, but I, I just don't know what, how to fill it out. How would I go about that? Hmm, that's a good question. And, and I, it's one I hear a lot. People say, I feel like my story is kind of thin. I need to fill it out. And this is actually where outlining can be really powerful. And that might seem like a strange answer because you're thinking, well, if I'm already writing, you know, I should be past the outlining stage. The reality is that outlining and drafting are like an accordion. You're always going in and out and in and out. So you're zooming in and you're drafting and you're looking at the details. And then you get to a place where you might get stuck and you're not sure what else happens. And then you zoom out and you outline. And the same can happen if you have already completed a draft of your story and you're reading back and you're going, boy, this just feels really thin. I feel like I need to fill things out. It's not clear when I'm reading it why this character was motivated to do that. Or I got to this scene and it just, uh, I couldn't even imagine it in my own head, even though I wrote it because it didn't have that, that oomph it needed. That's where you go back to outlining and you get really intentional. And um, the reason this is important is because the word fill can be kind of dangerous, right? Fill is what we all used to do in our, um, our, our school papers <laughs> where there was a page requirement and we're going, okay, I need to get it four pages. I'm at three and a half. All right. What, and you start looking for what, um, what filler, what junk you can kind of cram in there. Right. I mean, I, maybe other people haven't done this. I am totally fessing up that this is, this is definitely how I got through some papers in school. And, you know, filler is, is what they put in food when it's not really food to, you know, 
will like add texture or color. So we don't want filler in your writing. What we want instead are the details and the development that enrich your story. So let's say you've gone back to your draft, you go, oh boy, you know, chapter four, it just feels like it falls so flat. And you want to ask yourself questions about a couple of different aspects of your story. One is plot. Is there a big leap? Were, were my characters somewhere in chapter three and then in chapter five, they're somewhere completely different and my reader is really going to have a hard time knowing what happened in between. You know, then I go, okay, in chapter four, I got to fill out some more of that plot, not put in filler, but flesh out, right? Add that detail that would help people. You can also ask, what is the character development that would really flesh this out and make it more rich? Maybe by chapter seven, your character has made some decision and people are, look at you as the, as the author and you feel like your readers too will look back and go, wait, why did he do that? What motivated him? And that's where you can go and flesh out the character development, what he's thinking, what he's feeling, and what he's going through. And you can also think about developing your, um, your theme uh, in your story. You know, what is, the, what is the core belief that the character has that motivates him? What's my core belief um, as the author penning this? You know, what am I trying to get across to people and really show them? And you can always add more detail to your plot, to your character development and character arc, and your theme. And then you're adding in more that is for a purpose. So instead of just adding in more to, to pad things the way I'm doing with my, uh, my, my high school essays, you're adding in more that really enriches the reader's experience. And I have a great tip for this for your listeners, David. Here's what I love to do. I love to keep a list. This can be in a notebook. This can be um, in a, a dump doc on your um, computer. I like to keep a list of what I want to make sure I include. Things I don't have a home for yet, but I really know are important. Um, so that might be a certain experience that your character had before the action of the book starts. And you know you want to get that in there somewhere and you're not sure should it be a flashback or maybe he's just going to tell his friend about it or it will be revealed in some other way. Um, so keep track of the, the plot developments, the character developments, and anything related to the theme, to your, your big message that you know you want to get in somewhere, but you don't know where to fit in yet. And then when you find the place in your draft that feels light, that feels um, that it's not really giving people um, an immersive experience, you can go to that dump doc, that list, and say, okay, is there anything from here that would fit in at this moment? And again, that way, you are fleshing out your story without adding in any old thing. You're adding in what will give your readers a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation. So you're saying, uh, you know, if I'm wanting to add more detail and everything like that, you know, you use the word immersive. And, you know, as a gamer, I think of, you know, sight, smell, see, you know, hear, so if you, you put yourself in the character's shoes and just kind of look around the room, describe what you see, describe what you hear, the smell, you know, things like that. That could be really helpful as long as it's, and I'll, I'll talk about a tip for how to do that. Um, but that can be helpful as long as this feels like the right place to do it. So you were just talking about 
gaming. And um, I have to say I have zero experience playing games, um, but a lot of experience watching other people play games. <laughs> um, so you want to think about, yeah, that would be really wonderful to do in a calm moment. But if you, you know, take it back to the game, if you're about to face the the boss, if you're about to fight the big bad guy, that's not the time where you want to have a lot of attention to the surrounding details, right? Because you would actually slow down the pacing. So thinking about it as a video game is actually a great way to imagine it. When you're first walking into the world, if you've just had a big battle and now you're kind of um, checking your gear and how, how much life force you have left, um, if you're in a calm moment, then yes, it's wonderful to get in those sensory details. You just want to make sure you're not using them to derail the momentum you're building as you're leading up to a fight scene, an action scene, even a moment of emotional tension. It doesn't have to be what we would consider action, but if there's going to be a big argument between two key characters. You don't want to start talking about the color of the wallpaper. So when it is appropriate to add in that sensory detail, what I highly recommend people do is free write. And you can do just as you were saying, where you um, go through your, your five senses without any kind of prompt, but you can also use a prompt and then write with your five senses. You can become your character. Um, you can write about emotional details as well as the sensory details. One of my favorite free writes to do to get more clarity about your character or any character is to do a free write starting with, I hope, or I wish, or I'm afraid, or I'm worried. And then you, um, you don't have any plan. Free writing means you just turn off your judgment, you turn off your internal spell check and grammar corrector, and you just write. And you open yourself up to see what happens. And usually what happens is you get insights that your subconscious mind was aware of, but your conscious mind had no clue about. As a writer, you know so much more than you know you know. And free writing is a really great way to tap into that. So not only will you be adding in that sensory detail, that emotional detail, but you'll probably learn things about your characters, about your settings, and about your story that you didn't otherwise know. So I've got all that down and that's great. You know, I've got a lot of detail in my story now, but you know, I went back and I started reading it and I, I don't know what to do with the first chapter. I know where I want to go with the story, but you know, it just, I don't know. It kind of puts me to sleep and confuses me on the, what I wrote in the first <laughs> chapter. So what do I do about yeah. that? Oh, such a great question. The first chapter is so important, right? This is where readers are deciding to keep reading. And this is also where they're deciding to buy your book. If they're looking at it on Amazon, they're able to see inside that first chapter and they're going, oh, ho-hum, no thanks, I'll pass on this one. So your first chapter needs a couple of key elements. And the good news is these are across all genres. So the first thing that it needs is a way for us to really connect with and recognize your main character. And a really simple way to do this is to, to show us your main character in a position of vulnerability. Now, this doesn't have to be anything really uh, deep. It doesn't have to be related to the main conflict. Something as simple as your main character standing on the sidewalk and the bus goes by and splashes him with gross gutter water, all of a sudden readers are on his side. 
right? Because we're like, oh, oh, that sucks. So giving us a way to connect with your reader, um, often by making him vulnerable is great. Um, but it doesn't have to be vulnerability in the sense of something bad happening. If you look at the beginning of any Disney movie, <laughs> you will notice there's a character doing some version of like, I wish, right? So Beauty and the Beast, it's like, oh, this town I live in just doesn't get me. And Snow White, she's literally singing, I wish um, for my prince to come. So if you look at any of those Disney movies, you get that, that connection with the character through them telling us what they most want. And having that deep desire is a form of vulnerability, right? Because we may not get the thing we really want. But it doesn't have to be the bus going by and, you know, your main character getting soaked. It can be your main character really having something that he wants. So that's element number one. You got to have that connection with your main character because now we have somebody, um, now we have somebody whose story we want to follow. The next thing you need is an opening paragraph or an opening page that really packs a punch. And this is something that um, even though it applies across all genres, you really want to think about what's appropriate for your genre. If you're writing a thriller or an action kind of book, opening with a car chase is a great way to do this, right? You want to dump this into the middle of the action. If you're writing literary fiction, you're writing a romance, if you're writing, um, uh, there are a lot of genres where that wouldn't be appropriate, right? Starting with a, a car chase. So you want to think about what really grabs people and maybe it's a small everyday drama, right? Maybe it's some kind of argument. Maybe it's a line of dialogue where somebody is hearing something that uh, upsets them or opens a can of worms. And then the third element you need to really make your, um, your first chapter grab your readers is an open loop at the end. Now an open loop is a term that's used all the time in marketing, it comes from psychology, and it just means there's information that we don't know, right? We've seen kind of the, the tip of something, we haven't seen the whole thing, and we're desperate to find out the answers to our questions. So open loops, just like um, a great first paragraph and first page, they come in a lot of different varieties. If you're writing a mystery, maybe the open loop is the discovery of the body, the discovery of the corpse, right? Um, it could be a knock on the door. It could be um, your main character uh, walking into uh, his fiance's house and there she is kissing another man, right? And you're like, what? So anything at the end of the chapter that makes the reader desperate to find out what the answer is or what's going to happen next is really crucial. And again, there are different ways to do this for all genres, but across genres, you need connection to the main character, you need that grabbing first paragraph, and you need that open loop at the end. Um, there's one more thing I really recommend when it comes to first chapter, uh, and this is not something everybody needs a reminder on, but a lot of authors in that first chapter go, okay, I really want my reader to be able to understand my main character. So I'm just going to tell them everything about his life story up to this point. And I totally get why this inclination happens. You know, you as the author really want your readers to be able to follow along. You don't want to leave them in the dark. You want them to be able to enjoy your story. The challenge is a lot of backstory dump or expedition dump or info dump is not engaging. And there will be plenty of time for you to tell us more 
about that main character as the story progresses. But it's kind of like a first date, I guess you could say the first chapter, right? You don't want to just, you don't want to show up to the first date and talk about your deepest, darkest fears and all the things you may have done wrong in your life. Like that'll come out if this relationship is meant to be, right? You'll, you'll get a chance to get to that level. But the very first thing you need to do is make sure somebody is interested enough to keep getting to know you. So basically keep your first chapter like a first date. Does that seem like good advice to live by? Well, it's always good advice to live by, and no matter what the situation is. Uh, but one question I've got for you, you know, I've got the first chapter nailed. I got it down. It it sounds good, but I went re rereading through it, and I got this huge freaking gaping plot hole, and I, I don't know how to fix it. You know what? I don't even want to deal with it. I, I'm almost, I don't want to publish now. What, what am I going to do? Oh, I lost the end of that, but it sounded like you were saying, what, what are you going to do? So you found this huge gaping plot hole. So there's so much to the writing process that is really getting your head screwed on straight, getting your mindset right about your writing. And if you're in that place where you just found out, oh my gosh, you know, I, I have something that completely ruins my story. In that first moment, it can be really defeating. And you may not know how to fix it in that, in that moment, and you may just need to walk away and take some time away from your story. So just like I was talking about with getting feedback, there's this piece here that's about knowing when you're ready for the next step. So give yourself time. Yeah, that would really suck. Just give yourself time, vent, talk to some of your writing friends, uh, give yourself a break from your story. When you're ready to solve it, Anything in a story is solvable. Um, in fact, I just finished reading a really great book I would highly recommend to your audience. Um, it's called Hope in the Mail, and it's by Wendelin Van Dronen, who is now the published author of more than 30 books, many of which have won awards. And for 10 years, she was trying to get published. For 10 years, she was writing stories and sending them out and getting rejected. And she talked about, in one part of the story, she talked about finding pretty much exactly this, that she, she's writing a series and um, it's kind of even worse than what you're describing because the, the first several books have already been published. So she couldn't go back and change things even if she wanted to. And she's going, oh my gosh, there's this huge gaping hole. I've got a character. How do I make this work? And the reality is that everything is solvable. Um, and she tells the story of how she basically just had to keep thinking on it. And it was in a moment where she wasn't even thinking about her story that the solution came to her. But it came to her because she had been putting the effort in and the brain work of going, what about this? What about that? What, you know, uh, picture, the, um, picture that scene in um, Apollo 13 where they've got uh, the problem with their CO2 scrubber and the guys at uh, NASA admission control have that box and they're like, okay, this is everything that our astronauts have. And they dump it out on the table and they just start brainstorming, essentially going to town. Like, could we do this? Could we take the duct tape and wrap it around that? Right. They are coming at it from a place of everything is solvable. We just have to get creative, try everything, throw everything at it. So that story that um, Wendelin Van Dronen tells in that book, I found to be really inspiring. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely true. And the key to coming up with those solutions is one, making sure that you give yourself enough time to just kind of freak out, <laughs> take a break, and then come back. 
Um, and then two, the more you know about story structure, the better off you're going to be. So if you are just starting out as a writer, this is a really good time to get help and get support. And this is when you can work with a writing coach. This, one, this is when you can grab a writing buddy, you know, maybe somebody you've met in a writer's group on Facebook and say, oh my gosh, can I just talk this out with you? Here's the problem where I'm stuck. We as the authors are far less likely to see the solution because we're inside the story. We know what's going on so well. Somebody who's outside is going to have a much better chance of going, oh wait, but you said that he was a plumber back in chapter two. So could it just be that, you know, he had a plumber snake in his car and that's how he killed the bad guy, whatever it is. Um, and so you don't have to necessarily solve it yourself, but know that it's absolutely solvable. And, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself. Do you like this story enough? Do you care about it enough to work through and get the solution? And the answer might not always be yes, and that's completely okay. As writers, we're building our craft by writing. And that doesn't mean that everything we produce has to be what we publish. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about you need 10,000 hours of something to gain mastery. You certainly don't need to or don't want to publish all the stories that come out of your 10,000 hours of writing. So, you know, you only, only the author knows the answer in that case, is this worth solving? But I tell you, it's definitely solvable as long as you give yourself a, you know, a chance to kind of come out of the funk and you get some support. Um, and if you decide you don't want to solve it, that's completely okay. There is absolutely nothing wrong with leaving some stories unpublished and, you know, they, they all have a purpose. They all help grow. So there's, there's no loss if you write a story and then decide it's not one you want to publish. If you had just one thing to tell me, one thing that could help me overall, what would that be? Because, I mean, I'm a mess. I really am. I, I don't like writing. <laughs> I really don't like people reading my writing. But I really want to put it out there. I think I've got really good stories. So, I mean, how do I overcome that? Hmm. Well, that's interesting that you say on the one hand that you don't like people reading your writing, but you want to put it out there. That may mean that the people who've been giving you feedback so far are not the right people. And I can't stress enough um, how important it is to find your writing, your writing tribe, the people who will support you, the people who will have your back, because it's your, it's your blood and your sweat and your tears and your heart when you're writing a story. So the first thing might be to surround yourself with uh, a, better, a better quality of supporters. Maybe the people you've shared with so far, they just, they're just weren't the right people. And it's not because they're not good people and it's not because they don't care about you. They just may not get your story or they may not even get... Some people really don't understand why anybody would want to write a book. You know, there are people who don't read. There are people who think that books are, you know, just what you have to read in school and after you're done with school, who cares? So make sure you're really surrounding yourself with the people who get what you're doing and why you're doing it and why it's so important to you. And start small. If you can find a critique group or a critique buddy and share small pieces of writing, that can be really helpful. And in particular, share things that maybe aren't the closest to your heart. So this, this would be a really great um, time to take a writing class if you're feeling this way or to work with a writing coach. If you think, oh, I just don't want anybody reading my writing. 
on the other hand, I know I've got these stories that people would enjoy. And then you can start by sharing writing that feels um, easier to share. You know, maybe you do a free writing activity with your writing coach and you share that, or you write on a prompt um, in a writing class and you share that because then you're not taking that first step as leaping um, leaping off the, the edge of the building, hoping somebody will catch you, right? You're just taking one small first step and um, building trust with the person who's going to help you with writing, whether that's a coach or a critique partner, is really important. Of course, none of us wants to share our writing with somebody we think is going to shoot us down. But if you want to publish writing, you have to get comfortable with the discomfort of sharing it. And I'll, I'll speak a little bit about my experience um, with that discomfort and working with the editor I'm working with currently. So I have a lot of pride. I have a lot of ego wrapped up in being a good writer. And sending out my book um, to beta readers, who are people who give you feedback, um, people who read in your genre and give you feedback, and to my editor um, was so hard and so uncomfortable. And whenever I get feedback on my writing, I first go through it and I just check in with myself. I try to get as honest as I can possibly be. And I check in with myself and say, does that make sense? Is that something that would make my book better? And if my ego comes back with, well, that person doesn't know what they're talking about, I know that it's not rational. I know that it's not about thinking, well, no, actually this chapter is supposed to end there and I don't want to add this additional information. I know that's just my ego and my fear and my dislike of being wrong coming up. And, you know, I said earlier that writing is really a mindset game and you have to get your head screwed on right. So when I start having those reactions, when I get feedback from beta readers or my editor and I go, oh, I can't even believe, how could this person... I, that's when I go, okay, Megan, time to walk away. Go do something else. You're not ready for this feedback. And then when I come back, I'm able to look at it rationally and say, hmm, would that make it better? I'm not sure. And kind of think it through. And only then am I able to, you know, make a, a to-do list in terms of what I want to revise. Um, but I can't recommend highly enough finding um an editor that you work well with who gets you because the editor I have has helped me grow as a writer. The feedback that he's given me on my books um, didn't just make those books better than they would have been without his input. They helped me see, oh my gosh, like he spotted this writing habit or this weird thing I was doing that I had no clue about. And is that humbling? heck yeah, right? <laughs> like, is that my favorite thing? No way, right? It's, like, it's kind of like having a tough performance review at work or having um, a really close friend tell you that you're, it just seems like you're not, you know, uh, acting like yourself. We don't want to hear it in the moment, but we do want, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an author, if you want people to really connect with what you're putting out there, you want to improve as a writer and getting feedback is the way to do it. It's the only way to do it. We can't improve if we're practicing um, the same 
ineffective thing again and again and again. And it takes somebody from outside. It takes the beta reader. It takes the writing coach. It takes the editor to be the person who says, you know, I keep seeing this. And for then for us to bring the maturity to go, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. What can we do about it? So you, you have to decide. You don't have to share your work with anybody else, but if you want to publish it, you've got to um, give yourself the opportunity to put out your best work, which means getting feedback on that work, and also the opportunity to grow as a writer, which means getting feedback and, and feeling that discomfort and, and deciding, I want to grow. I want to grow. It's more important to me to grow and to put out stories that other people can connect to than it is to hold on to my ego and say, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. <laughs> but it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Well, it definitely doesn't sound easy. Now, myself, I'm, I'm not a writer. Thank goodness for a lot of people, I'm sure. But, you know, I've always been curious about the process. And, uh, you know, hearing it from that point of view has helped me a lot. And if I did want to get more information and uh, get in contact with you, how would I do that? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. So by heading over to my website, which is meganbarnhard.com, and in particular, what might be uh, helpful for your audience is the books I was talking about, Recipe for Outlining, Recipe for Drafting. Those are at meganbarnhard.com forward slash books, B-O-O-K-S. And uh, I also hang out a lot on, on Instagram. I'm at writewithmegan, W-R-I-T-E-W-I-T-H-M-E-G-A-N. Awesome. Well, Megan, I want to thank you so much for all the help you've given me today. Because if I was an author, I feel like, you know, honestly, I feel like I can go write a book now. I mean, <laughs> you've given me so many good <laughs> tips today. You know, I, I always had this comic book I wanted to write, but no, anyway. Ooh, ooh, I know some comic book authors. Oh, the other thing that people can do, I keep talking about like finding your community, finding your tribe of authors. Come join the, um, the free Facebook group I've got going. It's called Build Your Book. And um, I run it with a couple of other folks. I run it with a, um, a cover designer, uh, an editor, and somebody who helps authors format their books and also build their author websites and their author platforms. So between the four of us, we're able to answer your questions about the process of writing the book and then the process of publishing the book. But it's also just a place where you can find critique partners, find those writing buddies, find the people who are going to encourage you, and really hang out in a space where writing books is the norm instead of uh, where people go, what? Why would you want to write a book? So it's a really positive place to be, and I definitely invite people to come join us over there. Um, if you just search Facebook for groups and build your book, you'll find us. You know, and I like the Facebook format because it kind of gives you an opportunity to step back, kind of observe a little bit, be the lurker in the room without anybody seeing you, so to speak. But, you know, you can get a lot of good information until you get comfortable with interacting with everybody. And then you can take that next, next step, which I love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're a really open and inviting group and people ask questions, everything from, you know, they're at the very beginning and they're just not even sure where to start to they've got some experience under their belt and they're really trying to hone their, their author process. So absolutely. I love how you said that just even by watching other people ask questions and hear the answers to those questions, you're going to learn a lot. 
And um, it's really cool too, just to watch other people celebrate. We do promo posts at the end of the week. And when you're just starting out and you get to see people saying, hey, my book is coming out, um, that's really encouraging. And you see, um, and you're also watching people go through the process. You know, they'll come in one week and go, oh, I'm so discouraged. And they'll come in the next week and go, I figured it out. You know, my character needs to be a firefighter. That's how this is all going to make sense. And um, you get to, so you get to watch that process. You get to see that everybody has questions, everybody grows, and then seeing them publish their books and get that um, feeling that it's possible is really, really powerful and, and uh, something I know makes a big difference, especially for our, our um, authors who are just starting out. Well, Megan, I want to say thank you for me. Thank you for my listeners, because there was a lot of good information in here today. And I hope you come back to the, to the podcast later on, because this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having me, David. This was tons of fun. And I uh, can't wait to hear from some of your listeners who want some help getting their stories out into the world. Well, again, thank you. And uh, I hope you had a fun time. I know I did. So uh, until next <laughs> time. Till next time. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.